0: Mobile
1: banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Hockey! Yeah, yeah.
1: My favorite. It's Judd's Hockey Show. Welcome to Judd's Hockey Show, full-length Tuesday edition. Appreciate you listening either on uh, the various um, apps and places that you can find us, or if you're listening to the uh, primetime, Score North on 1500. Primetime. Declan Goff, Judd Zolgad. Uh, and uh, Dex, I think we should start here because the Wild, believe it or not, uh, as we um, record this, very much in playoff contention. They're not in a playoff spot because they lost to the Capitals on Sunday, but they are playing the Predators tonight at the X, and it's a uh, crucial game. In fact, one of three they're going to play against the Predators uh, in these last uh, remaining weeks of the regular season. And let's do this. Let's get to. Differences under Dean. How about that? I like it. Dean Evison obviously taking over for uh, Bruce Boudreau in a controversial move by Bill Guerin, one that still confuses me somewhat. Billy. There have been definite differences with Dean. And I think we've earmarked about, what, five or six of these. So let's start with this one. And this is actually one that Bruce didn't do. I thought he should do. Dean is doing. And I like this one a lot. Okay. Alex Stalock playing more. And I'll start by saying this. Alex Stalock is a backup goaltender. Alex Stalock is far from perfect. But in 2019-20, if I have my options and and you're not going to give me uh, Kakinen, which I wish you would because he continues to play great hockey. HL Goalie of the Month. I know, and this is maddening to me. <laughs> but anyway, if you're going to give me uh, Devin Dubnick or Alex Stalock right or wrong, I think I'm going to ride Stalock and have Dubnik be my backup.
0: Yeah. It- we all wanted Alex Stalock, I think, to play a little bit more coming into this season. Uh, the disparity between Dubnyk and Staylock splits over the last three years since Al, Al, Al Staylock got here um, has been pretty heavy, 70-30, 80-20 Dubnyk to Staylock But we also, I don't think, expected Dubnyk's play to really just fall off a cliff so quickly. I mean, last year, he was still a good goalie and still a number one, in my opinion. Um, but over the last, even since the new year, Dubnik has not played any part into staying in the cage just nine starts in 2020 um since since in the calendar new year four and five a 3.55 ga and an 880 save percentage i mean that is horrible um and look he he has some personal stuff going on and, and probably there is not a more taxing position on your mind than goaltender when one you're not even trying to play well but two you got other things going on in the back of your head off the ice um and I know we haven't heard an update on that, and that, and that's you know that's Devin's issues, and I'm sure he's dealing with it as, as, in his family. But Staylock has starting to co- has come in and stabilized things. And on the flip side, since the new year, 15 starts for Alex Staylock, nine four and two, two point one nine GAA, nine twenty save percentage, three shutouts. I mean, yeah. that do- I mean we know who he is. He is a backup, but that's number one material right there in a small sample size. Um, so Staylock has done more than enough to stabilize the back of the net. It's just do you trust him to do this over a long period of time? Absolutely not. Now, right. do I like him? Yes. Of course, yeah. Here's what
1: I think, though, is the difference with Alex Daylock right now. And it's incredibly important. Teams don't completely, but they often mirror or reflect the confidence that they have. The, the swagger that a team has often comes from its goaltender. Like, if the goaltender's playing well and the goaltender's confident, the team has more confidence. I'm not saying that this is the be-all, end-all, but I think it definitely plays a role. And what I like, and this transitions into something that Dean Evison, I think, has brought that Boudreaux didn't. And I don't know, again, to your point about is this sustainable? I don't. I think the answer is no. But short-term, the Wild looks to me in all facets, starting with the games that uh, Everson coached in the Western Canada swing after Bruce got let go, to play a far more aggressive style. And where the Stalock talker feeds into that is you have to love the fact that Alex Stalock can get the team started, back up the ice quickly, because he can play the puck. Because the Wild has some good skaters, but I would not say overall you would ever consider them to be a fast team. So the style that they want to play, I think, is emboldened and backed up by the fact that if their goaltender can get the puck and play the puck, okay, they turn and go. They go north. With Dubnik, you don't trust him to play the puck. I personally would tell him not to. Defenseman has to come back and get the puck and then start the play from there. So I think Talker 1, stay lock into Talker 2, more aggressive play, definitely works because of the fact that Alex is not afraid to play the puck and is damn good at doing that.
0: Yeah, he's essentially a sixth man on the ice, right? I mean, you, you see him all the time come out of the cage. He even one, one time accidentally went to the bench because he thought a penalty was called. I mean, the guy just loves to move out of his crease. And look, he's got limitations. We all know that because he's so small, he has to come out and challenge a skater. You saw it even him being a little bit out of position in that Capitals game where I believe, well, I don't know if it was Ovechkin's second goal and it might have been Kunetsov, I forget who scored it, but you saw that if there was just a remotely three more inches and about 20 more O'Connick. pounds. Well, Panic's goal. Yeah, a goal. Nice shot, but yeah, and, you're right. And you know, he's sliding over to the crease to try to get to his near side. Right. And because he's so small... I mean, again, I think a, I think a normal-sized goalie probably gets to that puck easily. Um, but you know what you're getting with Staylock, and it's a guy who can get you in transition, which is so hilarious to say, right? I mean, we, how many times have we seen Mikael Grandlin start in the defensive zone on numerous occasions over the years just to get the Wild into transition, a forward? Yep. And, and that's what he's supposed to do, yep. where a goaltender is literally coming out to play the puck and want a power play assist and maybe and want a goal, like I said, when he was six on five, screw the extra attacker, just put Staylock up at the red line and, and see what happens. Yeah, and
1: if if you recall, it was an overtime game last year. I think it was against the Sharks, if I'm not mistaken, at the X before Granlin got traded, where he scored a beautiful OT goal, and it was started by Staylock. Yeah, Staylock got him the puck, and it was basically boom, boom, goal, and that's why. Uh, but, yes, now now the problem that the Wild, I think, is going to run into here, and we saw it against Washington, and good, good teams are still going to beat them. They can play with pretty good teams, and they can definitely beat up on bad teams. Good teams like the Capitals and Blues are going to, what, five out of six times beat them. Yes. But what we saw on Sunday was the start of something I'm curious about, which is Everson introduced a lot of... Not revolutionary ideas, but different ideas than what teams had seen on film from the wild with Boudreaux. Yes. And Everson mentioned post-game against the Capitals that the Capitals were purposely dumping the puck into the trapezoid area so stalock couldn't go get the puck because you can't touch the puck or it's a delay of game in the new National Hockey League world. Hate it. The other thing I'm curious if we're going to see is, is Boudreaux allowed the defenseman to pinch in, but under... Everson, it looks like they're doing it even more. They're being more aggressive, yeah. which I like again. But you got to wonder if stuff like that, once you show it on film a bunch, teams start to combat that too. But the stay lock thing, they definitely did. The Capitals definitely had a really good idea of the fact that they were going to make it as difficult for him to play the puck
0: as possible. And are you talking about when you're when they're pitching, the defenseman pitching in the offensive zone? Offensive zone. zone. Right. Yeah, yes. there,
1: there's a couple things that they're doing that they didn't do as much that I'm saying once you put that on film, as, as football people like to say. Sure. Teams aren't dumb. Right. They're not going to be like, to quote Boudreaux, "Woe is us." What can we do about this? They're right. going to say, "Oh heck yeah,
0: let's exploit that." And the thing is, when you got someone like Dumba playing with Brad Hunt right now, because Carson Susie is still banged up, I mean that that is a recipe for volatile. Brad Hunt bash again. I I, I might. <laughs> the poor guy has to play out of necessity right now. And by God, Greg Patteron is not a player. I, I don't even think I wanted my sixth defenseman, let alone in the press box. I mean, he, he tries. He's got good size. I, I didn't mind the signing when it happened two years ago thinking, oh, okay, bottom-pairing defenseman and, and a gritty guy who can bring some size on a much smaller team. Uh, I, I, if they can get rid of him for a bag of pucks at this point in the summer, I would take it and, and call up some of one of these other kids from the AHL to, to see what they have in them. Do you like um, Nick Seeler back now? Is that what you're I would telling? love Nick Seeler back, and I, I hope he's thriving in Chicago. But uh, when you have two guys like Hunt and Dumba, and one of them is going to go pinch, and both of them are already defensive liabilities, you are not setting yourself up for disaster, but you're putting yourself in potentially very dangerous situations, especially when you're going to go up against a fast team who can get the puck up and down the ice like a Washington or a St. Louis, and it, it, it it's very it's high risk, high reward, right? I mean, that's Oh, and it's the goal. fun to watch. Yeah, it's great to watch. But,
1: but I, I think it caught teams a little bit by surprise for a few weeks, and it's not going to continue to catch them by surprise. Let's go off of off of the more aggressive to, I guess, what could be a 2A off of that. And it's something I absolutely love that I've never understood for ages why more teams don't do this. And it looks to me like the Wild's doing it now. That is being more aggressive on the penalty kill. The Wild, get this one, Dex. The Wild is going into the Tuesday night game against Nashville, 27th in the National Hockey League in penalty kill. They're awful, okay? But they are 17 of their last 18 on the kill, which speaks to how absolutely brutal they, they were before that. 17 of their last 18 in the past eight games. Another stat that confounds me. The Wilds' three shorthanded goals are tied for last in, in the league going into Monday night with the Oilers and Blue Jackets. The Oilers' one surprises me. The o- yeah, Oh, it you, shocks you, me. You'd think but, they'd have like 10. But two questions off this. Why don't teams... Play aggressive. I there's. I've never understood why you let teams get comfortable on the power play. Pressure them. Okay, you give up a goal, but at least you're doing something. And the second thing was, I like the fact that Evison's working theory is we might not be the fastest team, but we're at least going to make life more difficult for teams.
0: I just don't think the why. To ask why the Wild have so little shorthand goals, I just don't think they have the horses to be a team, especially when they're on the penalty kill, to push you. To possibly score a shorthanded goal. I mean, if you're going to have.
1: Yeah, I'm just looking for five. I, I know. Instead of three. I know. Just if you pressure the points, if you pressure yeah. those guys, you will, you know.
0: Well, there's only so much you puck. can do about some guys, and I get that. Oh, but, uh, yeah, no, I agree. But, but you know,
1: Spurgeon or somebody might luck into one.
0: But see, like, I look at Koivu or Felino or yeah. Greenway, Eck, Spurgeon, right? Like normal Ek, penalty killers. You know what? Eck could do it. Really? I think Eck could I do it. I don't think he could.
1: Uh, I'm with you on Koivu. The guys like Koivu have no yeah. chance. But I could see. I'm not asking for 10 shorthanded goals. Right. I'm just saying if you pressure people, you'll create. You'll make them make dumb plays at times. Again, if you're playing the Capitals, probably not. Right. But if you're playing like we saw the Red Wings or the Blue Jackets or sure. there's a lot, you know, or the Coyotes, be
0: opportunistic. Yes. Exactly.
1: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I get you. The more aggressive play, I, I like. Okay, it's your turn. Tell me about differences that you found in playing time for defensemen and a few forwards as well from what we saw with Bruce to what
0: we're seeing with Dean Everson. This is really interesting to me. And you know what? I, I don't know by crunching these numbers if this has a lot to do with Carson Soucy being out. I don't know if this has to do with just I think we're about eight games in the Dean Evison era. So we're really I mean small sample size as Judd loves to say. Um, but I'm with the kids, baby. So here, are, here are some defenseman splits of minutes averaged when Boudreaux was here to compare to when Dean Emerson was here. So this one's probably the most surprising to me. Ryan Suter. Okay, when Bruce Boudreaux was here, this season, by the way, I'm just using this season as a sample size, from the start of the year to the day Bruce got fired, or the last game he got fired against uh, the New York Rangers in the shootout, Suter was playing 24-48 a night. Uh, down from his normal 27-28 from his early days of the Wild, but still a, a lot of minutes for a 35-year-old. Sure. Two years removed from a very serious leg injury. Under Everson, just 22 minutes and 54 seconds. That's two minutes less. And you might say, well, okay, it's two minutes. 10% less for Ryan Suter is 10% more than he can play for a long term. I'm saying that's a good thing. This is a good thing Uh Dean Everson is doing. So a whole two-minute difference in the difference between how Everson is deploying Ryan Suter. Now, I, I didn't go in and see, is he playing less in the power play? Is he playing less penalty kill? I just did a whole... Minute search. So of his he's game way lost. down from a few years ago, though.
1: Correct. I, I mean, mean, that's a big chunk.
0: Tw- if you told me Ryan Suter could play 22 54 for the next four seasons, I'd be like, okay. You know, like that that's a start. Okay. Right. Instead of 25, 27, 28, um, I think that is a humongous difference. And, and I'm, I'm really curious by it.
1: I've got a couple questions off this. Okay. One is, how's he taking it? That's a great question. Because we've always known that he's basically legislated how much he's going to play and the fact that Bruce had him down already and the fact that Dean and I'm with you, I love the thought, but is this something where Ryan is embracing it or tolerating it for now and thinks that Dean's going to be gone, which I think he's not going to be retained unless something that's a, but, but if this is the platform that Bill Guerin and Dean Evison have sort of devised for Ryan's future, it's absolutely the correct one. Like, I mean they should go to Ryan and say, Ryan, this is it. this is this is what you're going to play uh, because to your point, yes, in a one game chunk, oh, it's a couple minutes big deal. but in a full season, it's huge. It's enormous and at his age and you know what he is still a very for the most part. he's a steady player, but is he the guy he was five years ago? No, no. and they've got guys who should play
0: more. So on that one, I like it. And by the way, I think Suter like fifth in points among defensemen this year. He's having a, still a really solid offensive season. He does a lot of good things. I, I don't. I think I feel like uh, Ryan Suter a lot like Mikko Koivu can be a whipping boy for a lot of lot of things we say about him. I think
1: he does hurt himself though when he tries to extend his defensive shift. And if this is um, if this is going away from that, right? It's actually going to help him.
0: All right. So here's Jared Spurgeon splits with Dean and Bruce. So with Boudreaux, and Spurgeon spent the most of his time with Suter this year, I believe. Um, under Boudreaux, 22 minutes, 31 seconds, average a night, under Everson, 21, 34, so about a minute, about a minute less than what he's playing, and, and Jared okay. Spurgeon does a ton of good things well, um, things that don't show up on a box oh. that you won't see, not like Brodine necessarily, but, but he is his intelligence is off the charts, might be the smartest player on the hockey team, uh, but about a minute difference in the splits between Everson and Okay, uh, Dumba, pretty much the same. Not much of a difference here. Uh twenty two thirty four with Boudreaux, twenty two forty six with Dean.
1: Got a power really play goal last week, baby.
0: He's back. He is back. <laughs> Got a
1: power play goal Way last go. week. Way to go.
0: Way to go, dumb. And
1: and the Washington game he did get exposed for and this is not a first. He can make the boneheaded defensive play. Yes. But you know what? In fairness to him and this conversation, I don't think that's going away. No. I expect more offense. And I think he's going to rebound next season and score way more goals. And I think we're going to see him have a, a much better season in the offensive end, and he could certainly move the puck. But I don't think you're ever going to get some of those boneheaded defensive mistakes in his own zone out of him.
0: Jonas Brodeen rounding out these uh, four defensemen here. 21-26 with Bruce, 21-54 with Dean. So uh, maybe a half a shift more, essentially. Okay. With uh, Brody, and I know he's been banged up a little bit. He's been playing through it, um, but about the same. But Suter's splits are the most interesting one to me of, of those four. Defenses. So who's
1: taking up? Who can we tell who's getting the the extra? The well, time Hunt, that...
0: Hunt is playing out of necessity, playing more. Excuse me, because Carson Susie's injured. And Susie, okay. And again, how does Susie's injury affect all these guys' minutes? I think that does matter. Um, Susie's had a, had a breakout year. He's been quiet over the last month, and maybe that injury had something to do with that. But it is something to note that Ryan Suter's significant ice decrease is, is something that I'm, I'm curious about.
1: And it'll be very interesting to see who the next wild coach is named during the off season and how much Ryan Suter plays at the beginning of next season
0: and if this trend continues as well. All right, so here's some forward splits. We're going to transition oh, this into, get into the forwards. All, All, right. All right, we'll start with Fiala. All right, so some of this has to do, I think, with the fact that Kevin Fiala was pretty much in a doghouse for the first on and off for the first six weeks of the season. But still, um, and 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 Fiala's game really started to hit a slide up towards the upswing about a week before Boudreaux got fired. But under Boudreaux, Fiala played fourteen forty six a night. Under Dean Evison in these eight games, seventeen fifty three. Okay. Now, it, I don't think that's necessarily Dean just playing him more to play him more. Fiala has been just so dynamic that you got to put this kid on the ice, and he was being double shifted in Washington. But a three and a half minute upswing compared to where he was with Bruce and where he was with Dean, and clearly, I think the organization is recognizing that this is our most talented and special player. Eureka! Yeah. Uh,
1: so they Bruce had Fiala on the first line before he got fired, right? He had just prom- he had promoted yeah. him to the first line, yeah. uh, but there was definitely a trust factor there. When you know what I think the biggest difference is too, besides the fact that Fiala's just been great, I think the biggest difference is when they. Because Bruce definitely had this team playing a more conservative defensive style. And Bruce had his reasons for that. We're not bashing Bruce here. Like I'm not look I'm not looking at this team and going, you know what Bruce did? He suppressed the eighty-six Oilers. Um but with the style that they started to play on the Vancouver Edmonton trip, Declan, I think you said to yourself, Fiala has to play more because he's the one guy who can skate like that. I mean, you watch you watch the difference between Kevin Fiala and the majority of his teammates. And it is—it's sort of like going and watching that special kid who gets uh, promoted to Bantams, and the rest of the Bantam players are really nice players. Yeah, they're, they're good guys. They're really good guys, and they're and they're nice players. And then this kid, you know, is <laughs> is two years younger than them and gets promoted and can skate past all of them. Yep. That's Kevin Fiala. Who who else would you say, as far as forwards go on this team right now, would you even draw? like any type of comparison there isn't it's going to say it doesn't exist it's like watching a different play. It's, the, the it's like doesn't he's exist. coming from and it's when he's playing against great players on different teams i'm not saying that this is the case but when you watch him with his teammates
0: it you are watching a different guy i saw a statistic the other day that if kevin fiala was on the predators right now he'd be leading the team in points and goals so you're welcome. Thank you Nashville. And by the Appreciate way, it.
1: And by, by the way, I watched um a good portion of that Nashville the Monday was it, game. 8
0: to 3 loss
1: Woof. on Monday night to the o- Oilers. One one is I'm offended. Where's that Oilers team when they play the Wild? That's my question. Uh the second thing is Nashville's a weird team, man. Yeah. They're yeah. a lot like the Wild. You know? They're a
0: lot like the Wild. You
1: know and they really do reflect the Granny Wild to
0: a large degree too. Right. The way they go by him. Yeah. They go by him. Granny, you know, if that, he's hot, they're hot. Calgary
1: game last week, Dex, he scored with .1 seconds left to tie it. Really cool. And then got the OT goal. Yeah. And that was the granny with the wild. He's unbelievable. He's an all-star. And then you get beat at home 8-3. to three. And if I'm not mistaken, it was 3-3 three, three after two. You gave a five third period goals. Yeah,
0: not good. Not great. Back to the ice time. All right, back to the ice game. Our boy, Ryan Donato. Unfortunately, Judd, um, nearly the exact same. For Ryan Donato, 10:38 with Bruce, 10:37 with Dean Evason. Um, This is a guy who I'm now clamoring for to get top line minutes. I don't want to say Jerry time is completely dead and over <laughs> because I want. All right, let me defend myself. Let me let me at least defend myself a little bit here. Okay, The floor is yours, man. I, say a word. I want. I wanted the exposure. I wanted to see if this kid was legit. I never thought that 40 goals was going to translate to the NHL. I wanted to see if it could. Okay. I wanted to see if it could. They've given him the opportunity. I believe he played 16 minutes against Washington. I didn't notice him once, outside of the fact he was playing power play time in the third period, and that was the only time he ever touched the ice. They tried to put the kid in position, and they gave him a chance to say, all right, Jerry, you've had every success at the HL level. We heard what Declan had to say. Why don't you go up to the top line, play 15, 16 minutes with Fiala and Stahl, and see what we got. And you know what? It's not working, and to be honest, he probably is playing for a roster spot, not a roster spot, but a spot in the lineup tonight against Nashville.
1: He might be a quad A player, and, and that's look,
0: and that's fine. It happens. It happens.
1: Jerry Mayhew w- wearing the number twenty six that Thomas Vanek wore so proudly for so A-O. many years. My guy played sixteen twenty three. I love that number on uh, Sunday in the four to three loss to Washington. I-, I also found this stat um, that. Was it Michael Russo of the Athletic his yes. game story? This is an interesting one. There are 163 players with at least 14 goals in the National Hockey League. That includes, obviously, Ryan Donato. None has logged anywhere close to as low as Donato's average of 1038 a game. Donato's uh, goal on Sunday was the seventh in his past five games from the fourth line. I need your help here because I'm confused. Um, I understand that when you talk to hockey people about this guy, that they point out shortcomings, okay? You know, because people like us see him score, and we say, oh, play him more. And they say, well, he doesn't, he's not great on the boards, and defensive zone, there's things to clear up, and blah, 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 blah. I'm going to make a statement to you, and I'm curious if you agree or not. If this was an actually good team, if the Wild was a legit play- in-the-playoff team, So let's say they're third in the central. I would say, oh, okay, totally get it. I'll back off. I'd like to see Donato more, but this is a team with aspirations of a playoff run. And I feel the same way that I felt about Fiala. You are a fringe playoff team. If you tell me right now, all right, Judd, here's your choices. You can get the eighth seed in the playoffs, and you're going to play the Blues, and you're going to get bounced. You're going to win maybe one game. Or you can get Ryan Donato up to the first line. And he's going to make some mistakes. And he's going to learn. But you're going to miss the playoffs. And he might make a mistake that costs you. And the veterans are going to be mad. Without hesitation, I tell you, door number two. I want to get him that experience. That's why I want Capo Kakanen up here. I want to get these. I don't. I don't know how strongly I can tell you this. I don't care about the playoff spot. And I don't care about the veterans. If if I can get Ryan Donato, you know what? If I can get him to screw up in a game in the remainder of this season, and I know that he's a smart kid and it's going to pay off next year when I really do have aspirations, I take the lack of a playoff spot in a heartbeat and I celebrate it because I got Ryan Donato what he needed.
0: Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, but am I, I, I'm sure there's pushback. I'd love to hear it. Wh- wouldn't you rather see two 22, 23 year old kids getting. Significant ice time, being twenty goal scores, trying to figure out who you have to build around instead of just bearing someone on the fourth line because he can't back check. Yes. But why are you
1: here's my question why are you acting like you're good? Exactly. I mean, you were putting Jerry Mayhew, God bless him. Not this is no, he deserved a chance. I he did deserve this chance. But if Zach Parisi or Eric Stahl or Miko Cuevo or anyone comes to me and says, well, we're trying to make the playoffs, I say, much like Herbrook says, your time is done.
0: Right. This is their time. now. And, I, I yeah, I want to see Donato get more minutes, 14 goals in 10 minutes. If you multiply that over 15, 16 minutes, the guy's going to score 25 goals a season. Here's the other problem that they've got going because they're trying to act like they're good.
1: They've got him thinking, and I'll tell you why I think that. He's not shooting as much now. Now, he's scoring goals.
0: He's not. His his shots are way down.
1: But his shots are down. And Ryan Donato's a shooter. Yes. And when Ryan Donato is confident and playing loose, I feel like you're trying to work with him on things that ultimately, right now, you shouldn't worry
0: about. It was an absolute crime for him to play just, I believe, what was it, against the Capitals? It was something very minimal. But in that first period, just a minute, 57 seconds. Because he didn't play on the special After he scored a goal in the first shift, like, why, why, aren't, why isn't this kid getting more significant time? You want to be able to build around as many 22, 23 olds as you can as a rebuilding team. Right.
1: And, and tell me this. With Fiala, do you really think Fiala is thriving now because they benched him occasionally? No.
0: That's a stupidest—he's he's, he's thriving
1: because he's better than
0: everybody? He's better than everybody, and he has confidence, in and they're giving him playing time. That's why. That's exactly why.
1: But Ryan Donato being a fourth-liner is stupid i agree with you it's just stupid i agree and i don't understand and and if you are garen or dean evison you owe nothing to these veterans yep zero there is zero you owe them in fact i would call in my guy koivu again and i would say miko you are done right and i transitioned to that because we all know how well the fourth line plays against bad teams i still
0: got i still got players oh you do sorry Sorry, you're the, jumping the gun here. The Donato thing's got me worked. I know. Off. I understand. We only got three more guys down the list, so okay. So we're we're almost there. No, you're fine. Okay, Joel Eriksson.ek My bad. My bad. Yeah, you're jumping the gun. My bad. My bad. on-air production meeting. You're jumping the gun. <laughs> for God's sakes, you're gonna get in the penalty box again. All right, Joel Eriksson. Joel Eck. Joel Jule- Eriksson. Under Dean Evison, yeah, sixteen twenty-three a night. Under Bruce Boudreau, fifteen thirty-one. So about a minute more. About a sh- two shifts more a game for Joel Eck. He's your only center, and he's your only center. <laughs> And I think over the, quietly, since the beginning of the season, has he done anything flashy to you? No. But he has done everything right, and he's progressed nice, and he's turning into a very nice diet Miko Koivu, as I love to say on this podcast over and over again. There's nothing wrong with that. So a, another minute for Joel Eriksson-Eck. He's a good penalty killer. He's got career highs and points. Not bad. I've, I've actually been very satisfied with what I have in Joel Eriksson-Eck. All right, finally, Jordan Greenway. My guy here. Okay. So Greenway gets off to a nice start in the first six weeks of the season, especially that Eck and line. You still want to trade him, I know. I still, I, I, just, I still do. I know you do. Under Boudreaux, 14-01 a night. Under Dean Evison, 15-31, 90 seconds more under Dean. And you ha- we have noticed a difference in his game. I don't know if there wasn't a trust there with Boudreaux. I don't know if there was a disconnect with Boudreaux. But clearly Greenway, and and we saw it on display against Detroit, which doesn't really impress me. But we also saw it against Washington where he is starting to use his size on the boards, in front of the net, the things that Coyle never did, the things we always loop Greenway and Coyle together, whether it's fair or unfair. Something has upticked in Jordan Greenway's game. But yes, Judd, I'm out. I'm still bailing. I'm done. Because you don't trust it? I don't trust it Because we have seen these
1: stretches before. Yeah. That West Coast, when they went to the – West Coast and played San Jose. This is a few months ago, and he got he did the same thing. He was running around and checking and creating opportunities. And I remember I came on the podcast with you and I said he's going to start scoring goals because of this. If he continues to play this way, and guess what he did? Regressed right back to Charlie yeah. Coyle again. Um, I think he's a sweet. I have something so much trouble. This is a blind spot of mine. I have so much trouble giving up on big guys like this because I love what the potential there. But, you know, I love that potential in coil for how long? Right. And and I just kept saying, well, just leave him at one position. Leave him at wing. And, uh, and ultimately, I was wrong on that one. So am I going to be shocked if they trade Greenway this summer? No. And you're not the first person. L- Lou Nanny talked about trading yeah. him. So this is one of the most maddening things, though. When you have a guy this big... And you see what he can bring from a physical standpoint. And it's not even the goals. Because the goals will come if they play like that. But it's the physical style and it's the intimidating, the factor the, along the boards. they are pain in the butt to play against. And then they go into hibernation.
0: It's maddening. All right, well, last player here under the Dean Evason changes. Our guy, Alex Galchenyuk. So I, I, I don't think it's fair to put Boudreaux under Galchenyuk because I think it just played like three games. It so yep. wasn't fair but I can, I can use his sample size in Pittsburgh and what he's done since Everson took over. It's
1: probably not even close.
0: So in Pittsburgh, he was just playing 11 minutes a night. He was not playing very well. But in Dean Everson era, 15-27 a night for Alex Galchenyak, so a humongous uptick in minutes. Playing center now. Yep, one goal and three assists in eight games. Judd, I know you're, you're still out. If he wants to sign a two-year, $5.5 million deal, so a two-and-a-half AAV season, to build up his confidence, he's still 26 years old. I'm still in on bringing this guy back. I I just I I don't understand. I don't see any other player that you're going to find to fill maybe a fringe top six, top nine guy on the open market. That's not Galchenyuk. I still think there's something here, and for the right price, I'm in. Do we think somebody will pay him? No, I don't think so. I I as we know, I think everyone knows that his value is basically at an all-time low. I need to know more about him behind the scenes before I'm going to commit to him. That's okay. what, that's how I'll put it.
1: I need to know more about his I need to know more about him as a teammate, locker room guy, the background stuff uh, before I commit to him. I am fearful that what we're seeing right now is an uptick of he is getting more playing time and he's not a talentless player, but because of the fact that he's playing for a contract, we've seen a lot of guys Uh, put the pedal to the metal when they're doing that, and then drop off once they get the security of a new contract. Um, I'm I'm probably with Galchenyuk where you are with Greenway. I just don't trust it. Got it. It doesn't mean I think he's terrible. Mm -hmm. It means I don't trust it. Right. Now, can I transition? Yes, you can. Okay. I'd like to apologize to you because that was great stuff.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it.
1: I know. Okay. Don't patronize me. (laughs) Back to the fourth line. The production of the fourth line last week. The Wild beat Columbus at the X. They beat Detroit. Oh, man, are they awful.
0: Congratulations,
1: Wild. At Little Caesars Look Arena. Here we go. And then they went to Columbus on Friday and won again. That line in a span of those three games had six goals and 14 points. Miko Koivu, two goals, three assists for five points. The rejuvenated Miko. Plus Koivu. six. I fear he thinks he might come back. Ryan Hartman, two goals and three assists for five points in three games, plus five. I actually like him. You saw that coming, yeah. I do like him. And then the guy that we just talked about, Ryan Donato, two goals, two assists for four points in three games, a plus five as well. Now, they played Washington on Sunday, and a guy like Hartman's just going to come back to earth against the Capitals. Mm-hmm. Koivu, obviously, is going to crash back to earth, and Donato still scored a goal, um, but The fourth line has been um, an important part of this team's rejuvenation with Everson as coach. It's been impressive. I don't think it's going to be long-term, and I do think that Koivu is done. Uh, But it's nice to see. The one guy I like to see rewarded a lot is Hartman because he's been a really nice addition and pickup, and he plays his butt off every night.
0: And I I don't want to put him in Foligno territory, but... He came here as a basically failed first-round pick prospect with Chicago, a guy who clearly recognized that, all right, he's not going to be this dynamic offensive player that, that he was being a first-round pick, but he can be a really significant role player and turn that into a hell of a career. Um, now, if, if Hartman can become Felino 2.0 and you have two of those guys, great. Obviously, that's fantastic, but um, I think he is a solid fourth-line player. Um, I think he signed just that two-year deal this summer, so he'll enter this last year. You want to bring him back, that's fine. I think personally, not to transition off, but if you're going to go into this summer with your negotiation of your current roster, Felino and Brodeen are probably your top two priorities since they're entering the last years of their contract. And it might be that Felino makes more sense simply because I don't want to move Felino and Brodeen can actually bring you back something. And if you don't want to trade Brodeen, he's going to get a humongous payday. Do
1: you trade Brodine or Dumba because, because of the Zuccarello contract and the protection with right? and this Zuccarello contract, by the way, if Horrible. you're tired of hearing about this contract, ladies too and bad. gentlemen, this is tip of the iceberg, okay? Yeah, too bad. The Zuccarello contract is going to put you in a position because he has a complete no move, which means he has to be protected when the Seattle Kraken make their picks. I love it. It's going to cost guy. you a defenseman. Yeah. So Dumba or Brodeen almost it has to be traded.
0: Yeah, they have to. Be I, I don't know how else to put this. It, this it, is, and this it, is awful. And, and it's not to us to suggest. Not that, that you're
1: that's not, you you're a not trade. dumping
0: them off. Yeah, you're not right. dumping them off to dump off. You can get something back for them. Right. And I think I think, but I think you're w- forced. One of them is going to have to move. You will not open if all right. It's not that you will not because it's it's not for certain. You are going to put yourself in a horrible position if you open the season next year with these same core four defensemen. You you miss an opportunity to trade them when the iron was hot. You are putting yourself in more salary cap situations. And to be clear, Souter and Spurgeon have to be protected. Yeah, and and they're not going anywhere. Yeah, yeah but they're... you
1: would you would expose Ryan Souter in a heartbeat if you could.
0: I don't think so. I disagree with that. I don't think they would. I would I, expose him. I know you would. But...
1: Spurgeon, I would. Spurgeon, I would not. And nope. you cannot. But, I agree. But the point is, those one of those two defensemen, I think in uh, the off season is gone.
0: Right. I think so too. I, I think um I think Garen saw that all right at the deadline the market wasn't there for them. But one of clearly he was getting calls on them. Oh yeah. And rightfully oh, so. Carolina had to have called. Yeah. Not not good for Bill Garen not to just pull the trigger to pull it, uh, but I think one of them on draft you year by July first. No, yeah, or no, I would not expose Trigger. Co- I would not expose Ryan. Right oh, at Seager. his age? God no. Why no, not? No, 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 no. I think his game Oh I pack is, for him. No. I'd I would go ex- to his house and pack I'd for him. I pack for easy. his wife too. No. I'd move the van out there. I know you would. He'd be a great Seattle Kraken. No, I, I'm not exposing Ryan I mean, Suter. I you can't,
1: but I can't believe you wouldn't if no. you could.
0: No, 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 I would not expose him. Absolutely not.
1: If I could get Prezi and Suter to Seattle, I'd drive I, okay, I, so I, I'd pay for the plane tickets. Let, let's
0: quickly go down this path. Let's say you trade Brodine this summer for okay. whatever, okay? Right. And then you also lose Ryan Suter. So now, okay, so, so if I got rid of Brodine, I traded away Brodine, and then I also got rid of Ryan Suter. Now my defenseman going, hold on, bear with me. After the expansion draft, now my top two defensemen are Jared Spurgeon, who's very good, and Matt Dumba. And then it's a bunch of wild cards and, a, and oh, a bunch of guys in yeah, no. the po- po- prospect line. You could not afford to do that.
1: Oh, no, no, no. What I'm saying is if I could expose if in the expansion draft after next season, what I would do if I could and I can't, I would expose Suter. I would re-sign Brodine and keep Dumba and Spurgeon. Of those, of those four defensemen, the one I'd love to dump off if I could is Suter because of the age. And, heck, the contract, too. But I can't because he was given a complete no-move clause. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean two of them are gone. I, I didn't mean Suter and Brodine or Dumba. Brodine, Dumba, Spurgeon stay in my perfect world. Okay. and But the Zuccarello contract is what this all comes back to. Yeah. Because you've got this stupid contract on your books now that you have no interest in having. And I don't know what you do about it unless you can get him to waive the no-move, but you're still going to have to pay a huge part of the salary.
0: Yeah, I, I think he's ready for this offseason, man. I think he is mentally checked out. I know I have a hat-trick, a question on him that I'll ask you here soon, but I, I don't know what's up with his game. And he started off so strong, I know... Why won't he shoot? I I don't know. I honestly don't. He's passing up shots. His shooting percentage was through the roof this year when he was shooting the puck. It wasn't, he wasn't shooting a lot, but he was converting a lot of his goals. So I don't know. I don't understand why you wouldn't. Want to continue to pepper the net? I it, it boggles my mind. It absolutely blows my mind. Oh, by the way, Galchenyuk uh, averaging more than two shots a game than the D'Nevis era too. So that's also a okay. Good sign.
1: No, that's good. That's yeah. good. And and you know Shoot. what? When they got him in the Zucker deal, what we heard is he's going to play wing. He's well, not a center. Yeah. And then, but you know, you did say to yourself once Conen got hurt, are you really going to play Victor Rask all the time? And the answer obviously was no. Yeah, I still would like to know who. When Rask did go through that long stretch of playing and would just arbitrarily, with Bruce there, get promoted to the second line, was that all Bruce? I always thought that was Garen telling Bruce to play Rask to see if they could possibly dump him off at the deadline. I can't believe that Bruce, a really smart hockey guy, ever said, you know who I really enjoy in my lineup? 49. Right. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. I think you are. All right. But before we get to the hat trick of questions, National Hockey League talkers. Are you as happy as I am that we found out from the NHL general manager's meetings this week, of which, of course, are in Florida, because why wouldn't they go to Florida? They always do. That the e-bug, the emergency backup goaltender.
0: not the that sounds like a coronavirus e-bug. The but, e-bug. But it's fine.
1: The e-bug is staying put. There, there was a lot of talk after uh, David Ayers went into that game as the e-bug for Carolina. In the game in Toronto, and, and of course, we all know he's the... Uh, a backup Zamboni driver for the Maple Leafs, and I believe he drives the Zamboni for the Toronto Marlies of to the AHL, and he is a longtime time like, am- amateur hockey goaltender. Oh, this is so embarrassing. you got to sign extra goaltenders. And I thought to myself, it is slightly embarrassing, but it's also really quaint, and it's not like it happens a lot. So they finally said, I think someone got, got up and probably said, we got more attention nationally because of this David Ayer story than we ever get right and yes okay it's not ideal but nbc um the today show and stuff or colbert on cbs cared about us so i think they finally said it was a really good story and it ain't like this happens once a month or something right
0: and and if it became an issue revisit it later but this wasn't an issue it wasn't a it wasn't a problem for the league i mean I think we all thought because Toronto got embarrassed that maybe it would be an issue, but I, I'm fine with it being what it is. And it, it's it's a, such a fluke thing. What it happened before in Chicago three years before that. I think in the left
1: came in and, and come, played
0: right. I mean, yeah. How many times in the last ten years has this happened? Like th- two or three times. Like it, it's God. not even worth it's not even worth changing. It's fine.
1: All right, the Pittsburgh Penguins, my good man. Oh, here we go. They uh, play on Tuesday night. In fact, uh, they'll they'll be playing. If you're listening to this on Score North at 1500, they'll be playing, um, taking a six-game losing streak into that game. Since being traded, I believe it was February 10th uh, from the Wild to the Penguins in the Galchenyak deal, Jason Zucker has five goals and two assists in 10 games. So points-wise, he's been good. The Penguins are 3-6-1 with him. And before people say, okay, Jed, well, how were they doing before, or, you know, were they doing good before he he got there? They were 8-2 and two in the 10 games before the trade. I'm throwing it out there. I am not commenting on this. Jason Zucker has, as we all thought, scored goals. He's got five for the Penguins in 10 games. It is interesting, though, that they are 3-6-1 and one with him and that uh, they have lost six consecutive games. And the question you have to start to ask yourself now, and I dismissed this entirely at the time, is remember, the first round pick coming to the wilds a 2020 lottery protected pick if the penguins and i don't think they will but if they go in the complete tank and miss the playoffs there's a chance the wilds not going to see that draft pick yep. till june 2021
0: right so no you want the penguins to make the playoffs yes you, you need the penguins to, to make fail. the playoffs and i got a tweet about this after our uh that kind of relates to this about after the capitals lost and he said um and it was us just saying hey look you weren't able to beat a good team and I got this comment from TNH3113, so I'm guessing he's a very nice guy. Uh, weird, I didn't hear any of these comments when the Wild beat Tampa twice, or when the Wild beat Vegas, or when they beat Dallas more than one time. Now this is where it ties into Pittsburgh. Also, Pittsburgh lost of teams way below them in the standings, so what are they? If you want to go down a path of where the Pittsburgh Penguins are as a franchise versus where the Minnesota Wild are in 2019-20... You, need, you are not watching the same hockey teams I'm watching, okay? The Penguins are a dynasty. They have absolute studs on top. They're in the skids right now. They're going to get out of it. They'll be back in the postseason. Calm down. It's, it's not the end of the world. The Eastern Conference is loaded, and that is a team that if they're a wild card or a division winner, they can play postseason hockey. Don't bring me that BS into my timeline, okay? That Penguins team knows what they're doing. They're a very good hockey team. They got veterans. They got young players. They know how to win. They just have to get into the playoffs and it's going to be fine.
1: Are we comparing the Pittsburgh Penguins and Minnesota wild now? Yeah.
0: Because because by the
1: way, not a six game losing streak. And by the way, the conversation that we've been having is the Wild with Dean Evison as coach against good teams. And I'm sorry, when you're the Oilers and you play horse bleep, you ain't a good team. But when you played St. Louis, measuring stick for sure, you were outclassed completely. And when you played Washington,
0: they're better than you. Yeah, they're better than you. Okay. Patrick, of questions to wrap things up. All right, my, my man. Number one, if the Wild sweep the Predators the rest of the way, three more games, including the season finale. So, I mean, a playoff spot could theoretically be on the line game 82. If the Wild sweep the Predators the rest of the way, then Minnesota will blank. Fill in the blank. Make the playoffs, not make the playoffs. Um, stick it to Mikhail Granlin. Give me whatever <clears throat> answer you want there and fill in the blank. If the Wild sweep the <clears throat> Predators the rest of the way, then Minnesota will blank. Okay, the
1: Winnipeg Jets are going to play a role here as well, because it's not just Nashville. Arizona could play a role as well, but I think if they sweep the Predators and get all six of those points, I think they make the playoffs. I think they get the eighth seed. I think the Jets are—they're so interesting. The Jets
0: are weird. I think they're going to be sellers this summer. I'm calling for Kyle Connor. The Jets are weird,
1: and Arizona. And by and by the way, Paul Fenton, you get credit for Fiala. But my God, the fact that you almost got Phil Kessel! Look at the year Phil Kessel is having for the Coyotes. That trade would have been off the charts, awful. Yeah, it would have been Vanek two point oh. I wanted it, and yeah, it would have been Vanek two point oh. Yep. So thank your. So if you're a Wild fan, thank your lucky stars that Phil Kessel said I ain't going to the Wild because he has been a huge disappointment. Uh, but that being said, the answer to your question, I think, is I think if you get all six of those points, you'll make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I, I think you'd buy. By default, get in, but it it does have to do with everyone else in front of you. Uh, number two, what are the odds Matt Zuccarello is scratched by the end of the season? And and like likelihood, so one out of ten, ten being that yes he's going to get scratched, one being no no chance in hell.
1: I think it's a one, and here's why, and I don't I don't really like this, but it's just the case. Yep, Dean Evison with mm-hmm. what can be a difficult group of people, especially veterans, is to me trying to curry favor. Like, he wants this to feel like he never says anything critical about this team. You scratch a veteran player like this, you're sending a message that a hardcore, I and I would love it. And Zuccarello, why he is passing and won't shoot, I don't get. But it feels like Dean has been brought in to sort of smooth things. The The woe is me quotes in press conferences, Declan, as you know, are long gone. So I think it's a one because if you scratched him, he'd have to answer questions about it. and. I think it would. I I would like it, but I think it's exact the polar opposite of what they're trying to do.
0: I think if uh, you really fall yourself out of the playoffs, and then Zuccarello finds himself in a practice, you know, in the press box for a maintenance day or something, they might aggravate something. But I, as an interim coach, screw it. Like I have the opposite approach. If you're an interim coach, you shouldn't. Like John Torchetti did this. Tor- right, I love John, this, but Torch, different styles. Torch but, lit him up. Yeah,
1: this guy. This guy's the opposite. Right. This guy's been like everybody's great. We're a team. Rah rah. And look, style wise, and I think he's done some good things, but I don't see him scratching a veteran.
0: All right. A- aside from Victor Rask, who my, well, who Stella, my dog, will scratch. Yeah, yeah, I understand. All right, last one here. The Wild have scored two hundred and six goals, and they've allowed two hundred and six goals. Neutral goal differential as we record today, before which the is Predators impressive because they were way, remarkable, way down. Uh, so by the end of the season, will Helps they have to a positive or negative goal differential by game eighty-two?
1: Um, you know what? Their schedule I believe has something like 7 or 8 non-playoff teams left and 9 playoff teams. I'm going to say it's going to be like plus 2. Okay. I they they play enough. They, their next road trip is a cupcake west coast trip. I think you get the Sharks, the, the Kings. Kings and the Ducks. Right. Those. I mean, you're going to come back if you don't come back with three wins and a positive goal differential off that. So I'm going to say, though, they'll be about a plus. Two.
0: Hey, we're just enjoying the season, OK? They're just taking care of business against bad teams. We're just enjoying good hockey. All right. Just, just well, throw that out there. When
1: they sweep those teams, if oh. you don't
0: compare them to the Capitals and the Penguins and the Blues. Are you enjoying this hockey team? Are you not enjoying this? Is this not fun for you? Enjoy the, enjoy the wins, OK? This is- Enjoy the wins. You know this team caused me to tear my hair out. Yeah, I'm, and my my beautiful hair is is so falling out as well. I will say I, it's so it's so hard because I think their offense is so good, but their goaltending is so suspect that it's hard to predict which way it can go. I think it's negative. I think the goaltending catches up to this team, and even though there might be nights where you score six or seven goals, I think you're gonna get outscored by by good teams. So, I think negative. And that's that's all I got.
1: Bonus question for you. Yes, sir. Does Alex Stalock score an empty net goal against one of these cupcakes before the season yes. is done? Because you know he's going to take shots. Yes. You yes.
0: know he's going to take 100%. shots. hundred percent. He'll get one. He'll get, he'll, so have, he'll get a goal. How about this? He'll have two points by the end of the season. Including a goal? Yeah. Two points. 1-1-2? One, 1-1. One, one, one. All right, Judge Hockey Show, we are uh,
1: done. It's been a riveting, in-depth conversation. If you enjoy the uh, the hour-long show, join us on Tuesdays. And then, of course, throughout the rest of the week after Wild Games, we often do one-timers. We are done. Declan, what do you say about that? Pass, shoot, score.
0: Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup.